It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. As an author, pastry chef, and teacher, Alice Medrich is one of the country's foremost experts on chocolate and chocolate desserts. She is the only three-time Cookbook of the Year award winner, and her former shop, Cocolat, was hailed by Gourmet Magazine as, quote, being to chocolate what Tiffany's is to diamonds. And Alice continues to influence chefs, chocolate makers, and home cooks through her writing and teaching. And she's joining me today on Amy's Table to talk about her latest book, Seriously Bittersweet, The Ultimate Dessert Maker's Guide to Chocolate. Alice, welcome. Thank you, Amy. Well, you are something. I'll tell you. I mean, your books are fantastic. Your recipes are fantastic. I, I see your videos on the Scharfenberger website that are so great. And and you really are truly the queen of chocolate. Oh, thank you. How have you seen chocolate change from the day that you began your love affair with it to today? What sort of trends and, and real changes have happened? Well, you have to figure that I started, you know, somewhere in the 50s. So let's not go back that <laughs> in the last. <laughs> but, you know, over actually over the decades, chocolate in this country has gotten more chocolatey and less sweet, and um, which is a good thing. Our sweet tooth has been moderated a little, and we've begun to really appreciate the flavor of the chocolate itself. I think the really big thing that happened happened in the last um, 10 or 12 years when suddenly we started to see some new chocolates in the market and some different visions from chocolate makers of what what chocolate could taste like. And in the last 10 years, suddenly, um, all of our chocolate bars in the baking aisle and m- most of the chocolate bars in the eating aisle, too, have percentage label on the label that tells us how much pure chocolate is in the bar as opposed to sugar or other ingredients. And this is a real helpful guide for people who love to taste chocolate, but it's also a confusing and yet helpful and wonderful thing to happen to home bakers. It is. I feel like that is very confusing to people. Um, and, and, and from the very simplest, you know, people are confused between the difference of bittersweet and semi-sweet. And then you start throwing the percentages of cocoa at them. Right. And I think it's, it's a little overwhelming. Do you have a way to clear that up for everybody? Um, I, I do. I, yes and no. And I think there's more changes. <laughs> yeah, I wish it were simpler than that. Yes and no. I think there are more changes to come. I think what I want to say is that bittersweet and semi-sweet, those names don't mean too much anymore. They're not specific enough. And what we're starting to see and we should be seeing more of is that people who publish recipes call for the chocolate by percentage or give people a range of percentage that works in the recipe or maybe even a not to exceed um, and anytime you see a recipe that calls for chocolate by percentage, pay attention to the percentage when you shop. Disregard the name bittersweet and semi-sweet because those terms, those are all over the map. You know, some bittersweet chocolates have 55% um, chocolate and cacao in them, and some have 70 or more. So, And those behave quite differently in recipes. So the easy answer is if you've got recipes that call for chocolate by um, percentage, you're home free. Just follow that guideline. If you have, let's say you and I probably have a lot, and a lot of people have old recipes from mothers and grandmothers and things that were handed down to us that we still love. Mm-hmm. My best advice for those older recipes 
is to never exceed 60% cacao when you shop for them. Whether the label says bittersweet or semi-sweet, it doesn't matter. Don't exceed 60% because those recipes were created at a time when we didn't even have chocolates that exceeded, that it got too close to 60%. Everything back in the old days, decades ago, was between 50 and maybe even 55%. So it's, it's safest to stay under 60 with those old recipes. That is a huge help to so many people right there because so many of us, as you say, do have those older recipes. I mean, by older, we could even say three years ago. (laughs) So, you know, it's... Yeah, yeah, it's true because it depends on who was creating that recipe and how specific they were. Exactly. Um, I'm busy trying to get the magazines to, to be more specific when they call for chocolate because you never know what people are going to use. And if you don't give them guidelines, um, you know, they'll use whatever. Right. And the results um, could be different. So tell us, if you used could. a 60% or you used a, a, an 80%, what, 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 what would the outcome? You, you let's say you just love 70% chocolate. You have, um, because it's, you know, it's so chocolatey and delicious and you have a particular brand you like. And you take an old favorite recipe that calls for bittersweet chocolate and you use that 70% instead it's likely that your rest, depending on the type of recipe it is, you might have a drier, um, you know, grittier um, outcome than you expect. That's less creamy and less moist, just because you're using a chocolate that has less sugar and a whole lot more chocolate in it. So the the higher the cacao, the higher percent, yeah, is going to end up um, with less sugar, less fat. Is, then yes. is fat no, no, not, not less fat. Not, not less, less fat. fat. Okay. Um, not less fat, usually, but less sugar. Here's a way to imagine it. Imagine that a higher percentage chocolate, imagine that it has way more cocoa powder and way less sugar. That's not strictly speaking exactly right, but that's a good way to envision it. Mm-hmm. So if you took a recipe and subtracted sugar and added cocoa, you could sort of intuitively figure out that, oops, that might not might be too bitter and it might be kind of dry from all that cocoa because the cocoa absorbs a lot of moisture from the recipe. That makes perfect maybe sense. This is, maybe maybe this is getting a little technical, but that's a way to envision it. Uh, no, I think that helps I, a lot. I think that helps the home cook right. a lot because you can see that measuring it out and everybody's got a recipe that they use cocoa powder yeah. and sugar in and that, that's a really good yeah. explanation. Yeah. Yeah, it's like subtracting um, the thing that keeps things moist and sweet while simultaneously adding the thing that that makes uh, the recipe bitter and dry. Right, right. One of the things I did in the re- in in seriously bittersweet is, of course, I called for chocolate specifically by percentage, but I have a lot of marginal notes that help you change the recipe if you have to happen to want to use a different chocolate than the one I called for. Okay, and that's really important. I mean, as it is, you know, everybody knows that cooking is one thing, but baking is another. And to get the results that you intend for us to get, we've got to pay attention not only to the ingredients, but the measurements and and how we handle them. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Alice Medrick. She is the author of her latest book, Seriously Bittersweet, The Ultimate Dessert Maker's Guide to Chocolate. And we're talking about everything chocolate this week. And Alice, you know, the other thing that confuses people is chocolate liquor. Can you give us a little 101 on that? Sure. Chocolate liquor is just the term that is used for pure ground-up cocoa beans. It just means, you know, all of us probably grew up or came up baking with unsweetened chocolate, right? Mm -hmm. Unsweetened chocolate is exactly the same thing as chocolate liquor. 
Oh, another just well put. Everyone's going to get that. <laughs> good, good. I, tr- I aim to please. <laughs> <laughs> Think you might know a thing or two about chocolate and teaching people about it. Now, that's also really, really good. Well, I have to ask you, when it comes to melting chocolate, for a dessert or 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 for for any reason that you might want to melt chocolate. How do you do it? Because I know there are different camps. For me, I'm a in the microwave on defrost girl. Does that horrify you yeah, or is that I, I, No, not at all. I definitely do that. My favorite way, however, is to put the chocolate chopped up in a stainless steel bowl and plop that bowl directly in a wide, like, skillet with about an inch of water in it. And, yes, the bowl touches the water, and it even touches the bottom of the skillet. And the water is kept at, you know, hot or just below a simmer, and I watch it and stir it, and I've never had any problem that way. And I actually think, although it seems to break all of the rules that everybody is taught, I think it's safer than putting it in a double boiler. Yeah, because the double boiler has a tendency to have maybe the occasional bubble or splash that gets in the chocolate, which, of course, then makes it seize, right? Well, there's that, but the double boiler also is a sealed container, and when you've got a sealed container of water, it's very it's more likely that that water is going to come to a boil and create a, a steam underneath that bowl, and the steam is always hotter than boiling water, if we remember from high school chemistry, and, and also in the double boiler, you can't see the water. And so I, my, my theory is when it's out of sight, it's out of mind. Yeah. Often I've, often I've seen even chefs, especially savory chefs. I hate to cast aspersions, but those savory chefs aren't as fussy as we pastry chefs are. Um, they'll be using a double boiler, and they'll have steam just pouring out the side of the double boiler and won't even be noticing it. Exactly. And then that steam can cause real problems with the chocolate. Well, of course, the other thing I always tell people, and I'm sure you agree, is that you have to be gentle with chocolate. Don't don't rough gentle, it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're usually we're trying to melt it, not cook it. And I think sometimes people don't understand that melting just means warm and fluid. It doesn't mean hot or scalding. It's just warm and fluid. Yeah, that's that's also. I often stick my finger. I often stick my finger into the bowl to see how warm it is. You know. Yeah. An excuse to lick your finger. Exactly. Some good tasting going on there. Yeah, get in touch with your chocolate. <laughs> well, the the latest book, Seriously Bittersweet, has so many beautiful desserts. And as you mentioned, you have lots of notes in addition to the recipe. But what do you hope that people take away from this book? Um, I, I hope that people go and taste some new chocolates and branch out and try some things. Um, I hope they'll learn a little something about working with chocolate in a nuanced way. I also, although the book is about baking, chocolate continues to change and evolve, and I would love for people who are interested in chocolate to go out and seek out just for tasting experience and taste some of the new micro-batch, small bean-to-bar chocolate um, that's being produced in all 50 states in this country. And which is so cool, isn't it? There, there really is a food revolution going on, and it is exciting. And and so many more um, exciting variations of what we all grew up with, whether it be chocolate or coffee or wine or food or you know locally grown or locally made. It's it's very an exciting time for sure. And if you, and I love the sweet and savory, the savory crossover with chocolate too. That we're using salt and we're using herbs and we're using olive oil and. Um, putting chocolate in in all kinds of you know from salad from soup to nuts. Yeah, exactly. I had a chocolate the other night at an event that they filled with four kinds of cheese, 
and it uh-huh. was a little filled chocolate and it, it was good. I, it took me a minute, <laughs> uh-huh. but it was really good and really unexpected. Uh-huh. So it was quite yeah. fun. Well, tell us just before we let you go, we're going to share your recipe for the warm mocha tart. Is that your favorite from the book or is there another that's oh, your all time? Come on, you can't. Answer. I know. <laughs> I love that. I love that recipe. That is a great favorite. I love the chocolate. The, um, um, the chocolate soufflés are fabulous in there and so easy, easy as pie, easier than pie. Um, the chocolate, there's chocolate decadence cookies in there that I love. Oh. There's, um, there's a, an asparagus dish with, um, with um, olive oil and cocoa nibs. Mm. A lot of recipes for cocoa nibs. I think I was the first person to publish in this country anyway, a rec- um, recipes for home cooks that use cocoa nibs because they were just beginning to become... Um, about 10 years ago, they were just beginning to become um, um, known. Yeah, exactly. And, um, so I published a number of recipes, you know, a dozen years ago when that first started, and uh, those recipes are in this book. And a home run way to try that is in banana bread, the cocoa nibs and banana bread. Oh, uh-huh. that's good. That's good. Well, it is just a pleasure to speak with you. I'm going to put Alice's recipe on amystable.com. I'll also put links to Alice's website and her Facebook page. But what a thrill to speak with you, and I can't wait for the next book. Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102.